Well, good afternoon. Thank you for coming. A very warm welcome to you from Staines Kong, but also from the uh, uh, from Jean and the family. No, no, you stay there. That's fine. It's lovely. I just kind of, I just uh, lovely to have you all. Lovely uh, church folks. Thank you for coming out um, and supporting. We remember Don uh, with, with great fondness. Um, and uh, so let's pray as we as we start. Father God, we remember Don. We're sad that he's not still with us today, and we're here to, to mark his passing, to honour his memory, to remember his faith. But also, Lord, we're here for ourselves to, to come to you and ask for, for strength and assistance. We ask you to be with us by your spirit, to strengthen us, help us walk through times of bereavement. Help us walk into a future which seems so uncertain, not just in our families, but around the world. So we ask you to come and be present with us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to open with a hymn. A great hymn. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. That is what Christians are uh, in Christ. They're ransomed. In other words, Christ has bought their freedom on the cross. Uh, they're healed. Um, they're made right with God. They're given spiritual health, restored and forgiven. Who like thee, his praise should sing. Praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting king. So let's stand and sing together.
And Jean, you're going to come and you're very brave. Come and bring us some memories of memories of I've just written down a few remembrances of Don, about 63 years together. But this starts for me to give you some details of Don. Don was born on the 28th of May 1935 at Tooting Junction, a suburb of South London. His father was a policeman and his mother a housewife. I first met Don in 1945 when we were both 10 years old. He had been bombed out in 1944, and the family had been rehoused close to where I lived at Mitcham, Surrey. We used to take the same route to school, and he said he had recently joined the Life Boys, a junior section of the Boys Brigade, where he would learn to play the drums. We were in the same class, and for a short time, I sat next to him. Um, He was very good at composition, although he very often did not stick to the subject the teacher wanted us to write about. She she very often read his compositions out, and he had a very keen sense of humour. And the class, um, and the composition she read to the class because of the humorous content which seemed to amuse everyone. When Don was 14, he transferred to Brixton School of Building to study surveying, and I left to do commercial subjects. We met again seven years later in our early 20s. He had been to a concert in London and needed to get home on a trolley bus, which I needed to use as well and we had to wait in quite a long queue to get on the bus. I got on first and sat next to the window, and blow me, Don got on shortly afterwards and came and sat next to me and said hello. Um, I did recognise him, just about. He said he had just finished his national service in the Royal Artillery, where he had visited Hong Kong and Korea and had enjoyed the experience of seeing these countries. He said he had just applied to join the police and was waiting for an interview. About four months later, Don telephoned me and asked me to go to the pictures with him. He had just finished his basic police training at Hendon and was now doing beat training at Acton, living in Ealing Section House. He came home to Mitcham on his days off on a Triumph Tiger Cub, um, which he had just purchased, so we managed to go out on this quite often, much to my mother's horror. We continued our relationship for the next four years and were married on the 4th of July, 1959. Don was now stationed at Feltham, so we moved to Elgin Avenue, where Graham and Andrew were born. Graham joined the boys' brigade at Stainscong, and Don used to drive him to the Bible class there on a Sunday morning, and often stayed on to attend the church Sunday service. So we could all be together, I transferred from Ashford Kong to Stainscong in 1980, and the rest is history, really. Over the years, Both Don and I have um, been involved with the Sunday school and home groups. 
Unfortunately, in 2000, Don was diagnosed with diabetes and his health deteriorated until he died on the 17th of April at St Peter's Hospital. Thank you very much for coming. I do appreciate everybody turning out. We had a very nice service at the crematorium, thanks to, to Nick. And um, again, many thanks. I'm sure you've all got your own remembrances of Don anyway, because he did have quite a keen sense of humour, as you well know. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much indeed. What I want to know is why, why it took him four months to ask you out, Gene. <laughs> Did I understand that correctly? He was plucking up his courage, wasn't he? I think. Cheeky chappy. I'm going to read from the Bible. I'm going to read from John 3, some very famous verses. And it's an account of Jesus and a man uh, called Nicodemus comes to, comes to find him uh, one evening. It goes like this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You'd not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and, and you, do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people don't accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things. And you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Amen. So we're going to stand and sing again another a great hymn. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. In other words, the Lord's my shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd, I, I lack nothing. He makes me down to lie. In pastures green he leadeth me, the quiet waters by. Let's stand and sing.
It's lovely to hear a bit more about Don's life, and I was quite taken aback when I saw the photos. So, Gene uh, passed me some photos on uh, on Sunday, and I saw Don standing on a boat, and, and I love boats. Um, it's kind of uh, um, it's no secret. And suddenly discovered, you know, a connection which I'd never never really twigged. I'd only been in the police, but not not known that he'd been in the River Police. And, and um, uh, many a time have I stood on the front of a boat, a little bit like that, you know, with with your with your rope and. Um, Ready, ready to jump off. But let's think about this passage in, in John 3 for a minute. Is death a moment of entering the light? Or is death a moment of descending into darkness? Couldn't actually be a more critical question for us to answer. For us to answer for ourselves, for us to answer on, um, on Don's behalf. And the short answer, according to John's gospel, is it depends it depends. It depends on whether you're walking in the light of Christ now or whether you're hiding from him in the shadows. In John's Gospel, Jesus uh, is repeatedly called the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the, he's the person who brings you understanding and the light of the knowledge uh, of the relationship with God. And this is the message that Jesus tells Nicodemus. This is the message that Don heard at Boys Brigade, that he taught at Boys Brigade. And I guess staked his life on. And only on that basis can we have confidence that he's in glory now. He's in the light. Um, he's with Jesus, which is better by far. But Jesus used two, uses two pictures here uh, to explain this, which I just want to look at briefly. First one is this idea of being born again. 
So Nicodemus is, is, a, is a Pharisee. He's a very honest religious man. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. He's an important man. And he comes as a nighttime visitor to Jesus. He's in the dark. He's in the dark in more ways than one, literally and metaphorically. But he has started to see the light. And the first thing he's done by, in this starting to see the light is he's seen, uh, as he puts it, that Jesus is a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs, in other words, the miracles that Jesus did, unless God were not with him. He's come in the dark, but he starts to see the light. And Jesus' response comes like a sudden change of gear, or even uh, a slap around the face. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again, says Jesus. And actually reading it again, I don't think it's a rebuke. I think it's just Jesus cutting to the chase. Just getting in the shortest possible way to the place Nicodemus needs to be in his understanding. Something dramatic needs to happen if you're going to step into the light. You need to be born again. And actually it wasn't an uncommon idea in Judaism at the time. Um, if someone converted to Judaism, it was seen like being born again. And that's why I guess they were baptized. They went through kind of water again. But Nicodemus seems to take this very literally. He says, how can I, how can I be born again when I'm old? I'm, I'm old now. Too old to be uh, born again. How can't go back into the womb, he says. Whether honestly or ironically, I guess we'll never quite know. And Jesus' answer is that he doesn't need to be reborn out of a womb. He needs to be reborn from heaven. He has a body already. He has a body of flesh and blood, and it's born from his mother's body. He now needs to be reborn in his spirit, from God's spirit, so that he has a new spirit within him. You're not a Christian unless you're born again in the spirit of God. That's what Paul will say. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not, long be does not belong to Christ. So that's the first thing Nicodemus needs to do to come into the light. He needs to be born again. Well, Jesus puts it another way, this idea of lifted, being lifted up. And actually, it refers back to an Old Testament uh, story during the Exodus, an account when the people of Israel, they, they complained about God, and God sent venomous snakes into the camp. And the people were getting bitten by the snakes and, and dying, and they... And as so often happened in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament times, uh, they disobeyed. Uh, God showed them they disobeyed. Um, they cried out to God and he had mercy. And this time round, uh, the people cried out to Moses for mercy. And the, the Lord told Moses to make a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And anyone who looked up to the snake um, could live. And it's the sign of the medical profession. I don't know whether you've ever seen that. You get this sort of pole with a thing on it and a snake. That's where that comes from. You see, we're so often poisoned by our own willful ignorance of the Lord. Maybe you've grumbled about him. Maybe you've just never paid him any attention at all. In which case, you, you've invited a, a poisonous death upon yourself, like the people of Israel did. And Jesus says, though, there's an antidote. There's an antidote to this poison we've got in our systems. It's that people can look up to him when he is lifted up. In the words, when he's nailed to a cross and he's hanging there, suspended. People can look up to him and be healed. People can look up to him and say, oh gosh, what Jesus is doing there is he's dying in my place. He's, he's, he's dying for me. And they can be healed. They can be spiritually healed. They can be have that wound, that fatal wound, they brought upon themselves, healed, 
just by looking up to the crucified Christ. Anyone who looks up to the cross of Jesus and, and says, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he died to pay the price for all the things I've done wrong, will have eternal life. So Jesus gives Nicodemus two illustrations, being born again. Uh, this thing about the snake being lifted up, he's kind of... Um, and this is the key promise that Jesus makes to Nicodemus. God so loved the world, that's the world of people, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Three key words, gave. God gave his son. God the Father sends God the Son to become a human being, and he gave him over to uh, death. Gave him over to a sacrificial death. It's a human sacrifice as a scapegoat for sin. Anyone who believes, anyone who's not just you believe, oh, I understand that that happens. Not just understanding, but trusting. Trusting in God, going to God and saying, I trust that that was for me. An eternal life. Eternal life is, this, is not just a, a life that goes on after death. It's, it's a life of a different quality. It's a life with a spiritual connection to the eternal, uh, to God. And Jesus then um, asks for a response. He kind of um, provokes Nicodemus, poor old Nicodemus. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they've been done, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. In other words, Jesus comes as the light of the world and you have one of two reactions. Um, you either recognize you're in darkness and you run to the light uh, to get the light of God, or the light shines on you and, and you run away and, and scuttle off into the shadows because you don't like the challenge that it throws to you to make him Lord. And the same choice for Nicodemus just is here for us today. Do we step into the light, keep walking into the light, and then we have that reassurance um, that we'll join Don um, in the place of light in heaven and then in time in the new creation, or do we, or do we scuttle away into the darkness? No more important question um, for you in, in life or at any time but in any place. But just as a postscript, what happens to Nicodemus? When Jesus is, is, is being accused later on, Nicodemus uh, stands up and, and defends Jesus uh, against his uh, colleagues in, in the Jewish ruling council. And at the end of Jesus' life, after he's crucified, Nicodemus and his mate Joseph of Arimathea, they come and get Jesus' body and puts it in a tomb. What are the signs? Those are all the signs that he's come into the light. Signs that he's been born again. He's looked to the crucified, lifted up saviour. He's come into the light and he doesn't need to fear death. This is our confidence for Don. This is our confidence for ourselves. And what do we do in response to that? Well, all we can really say is, in the words we'll sing in a moment or two, um, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I wonder how he could love me, uh, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvellous, how wonderful that my song shall ever be. How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. Thank you, Jesus, for offering us new life, eternal life, being born again of the Spirit. Help us take hold of all the things you have on offer for us. In your name, amen. Amen. So we're going to pray and Janice is going to come and
um, lead us in, in a time of prayer. Don was a younger brother to my father. Um, and our grandparents didn't have a lot of imagination when it came to names for their two sons. Because our father was Ronald and Andrew and Graham's was Donald. So Ronnie and Donnie are together in heaven now. Probably dad, my dad is banging a drum. Don is probably buying in a side drum. Was that what he played, Jean? So there we go. So let's come together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a life that you give, for the joy and sorrow it brings. As family and friends, we want to especially thank you for Don. Thank you for what he brought as husband, father and uncle to us. For his love, his warmth and friendship. For all the years we shared with him. For the laughter and for the tears. For the happy memories we treasure in our hearts. For his faithful service to you and for his working life as a police officer. Father, we lift Don to you today in the sure and redeeming knowledge that as your child, he is now in the arms of his loving Heavenly Father. Don has left us and it leaves an ache in our hearts. As we mourn our loss, we lift up our sadness and grief to you, Lord God. Father, we know we can turn to you in our deepest sorrow. Lord, we thank you for the comfort you bring to Jean, Graham and Andrew and their family. Lord, we ask that you would bring an abundance of your gentle healing to them. Guide them, we pray, as they journey together through the days ahead. Please give us the strength to leave Don in your care, in the knowledge of eternal life, through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. I'm going to say the words. We're just going to commend Don to, to the Lord again. We've already done this uh, formally in the, uh, in the crematorium, but let's just spend a moment to uh, commend him to the Lord. Um, to give him over and just affirm our trust that the Lord has got him and he is safe. So let's spend a quiet moment and then I'll say the words.
God our creator and redeemer. By your power, Christ conquered death and entered into glory, confident of his victory and claiming his promises. We entrust Don to your care in the name of Jesus our Lord, who died and is alive and reigns with you now and forever. Then the hymn that I alluded to earlier on, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He took them upon himself. He bore the burden of Calvary and suffered uh, and died alone. How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. Stand, sing together.
Thank you, Father God, for being with us here today. Thank you for Don and all that he has meant for us and all that he has done for us. Thank you that you have got hold of him and he is safe. And now we pray for ourselves. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. 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 Please have a seat. Mm-hmm.